You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with Best Supporting Actor Oscar nominee for Belfast, Kieran Hines. We all have a story to tell, but what makes each one different is not how the story ends, but rather the place where it begins. She's like me and that girl have a future. Well, why the heck not? You know she's a Catholic. And you call me her. Yes. You know who you are. Your buddy from Belfast, where everybody knows you. They look so the whole family looks out for you. Be good, son. If you can't be good, be, be careful. careful. And that thought will keep you safe. to cleanse the community. You wouldn't want to be the old man out in this street. You touch my family and I'll kill you. Was that our side that done all that? There is no our side and their side in our street. Well, there didn't used to be anyway. We're living in a civil war. This is the time to make a new start. My mom says if we went across the water, we wouldn't understand the way we talk. Shouldn't be a problem. I've been married to your granny for 50 years. I've never understood a word you said. <laughs> what do you want? I want you and my granny to come too. Bloody religion, that's a problem. Then why are you sending us to church? Because your granny would kill me if I didn't. Well, not dead. Back here. <laughs> How could I leave Belfast? Everybody likes them and everybody looks after them. Belfast will still be here when you get back. Will you? I'm going nowhere you won't find me. The Irish were born for leaving. Otherwise, the rest of the world would have no hopes. What do you want? I want my family with me. I want you. You know who you are. And wherever you go, and whatever you become, that'll always be the truth. Be good, son. If you can't be good. And if you can't be good, be careful. First things first, uh, Kieran, I know that the King Beyond the Wall wouldn't want me to kneel to you, but I will just say that it is an honor, sir, and I do tip my hat off, at least to you, um, because I've been such a fan of your work over so many years. Uh, you are one of the uh, very well-known, as my mother likes to say, that guy, uh, <laughs> the guy who always pops up all the time in the movies that we are continuously watching, whether it's a big role or a small role. And you've just been so great throughout your career that I'm just like so happy for you. And I want to express on behalf of the Next Best Picture team that you're getting this recognition with your first Oscar nomination. Wow. Uh, I'm a bit stunned, but thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. So um, you used to say like, oh, you've turned up like a bad penny again. <laughs> So what was that like getting that phone call, hearing, uh, you know, that you got that Oscar nomination for working on Belfast? Uh, it was uh, it was uh, kind of shocking to me because it was out of the blue. And uh, I was in I was in transit between London and Paris. I was going mm -hmm. through security and uh, my phone started pinging, but it was in a, in a security rack going through the machine. And I had forgotten that it was the nomination. <laughs> They were all because I was leaving my daughter in one situation, going to my wife in another, and uh, I was sort of domestically engaged in something else. And uh, this suddenly reminded, brought me back to life and said, What was that today? And then all, all these pings came in, and then I realized uh, it wasn't bad news. It was very, uh, 
thrilling news. And uh, yeah, it was hugely, uh, not embarrassed, but um, humbled by it. Yeah. Very nice. Very, very nice. Uh, I know a lot of us have been wishing this for you for, like I said before, many, many years, mostly because of such continuously stellar work. And you're getting a chance to act opposite uh, Judy Dench in uh, this film. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first time you two have acted on screen together? It's the first time we've ever uh, come face to face in any medium. Wow. Okay. See, I thought maybe there was a, a theater production or something somewhere at some point or another, maybe. But wow. Well, she spent the last 40 years avoiding me as soon as I arrived at the scene. <laughs> she heard, must have heard things about me and said, steer away from that guy until uh, her dearest friend, one of her dearest friends, Ken Branagh, maybe decided to wind her up again and uh, put me in her path. <laughs> well what was that like is she like everything you envisioned that she would be essentially yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. she's a she's a fantastic woman i mean she is i'm not so great at the heart of it i mean she's she's you know she's uh she's witty she's cheeky um she's uh elegant uh she's alive she's vibrant she's and she's a rebel as well you know what i mean she has a rebellious streak that she won't be told but in fact is she's so warm and loving at the same time that is all coming from this beautiful uh, fountain of, of of kind of joy and desire to work and create. And just to be around that is, uh, you know, it rubs off. Absolutely. And I imagine, too, that, you know, because you exude a tremendous amount of warmth uh, playing uh, in this in this case, uh, Buddy's grandfather, Pop. And I was wondering if there were any people in your own life that you drew inspiration from to have that come across. Uh, was there a relative of yours or a mentor figure growing up that you drew inspiration from for that? Um, I would say that I didn't draw inspiration mm -hmm. from them. And yet they inspired me. I don't know whether their, their ghosts are in my DNA floating mm -hmm. around was residue of some of my father's traits, some of my mother's father's traits, my grandfather, a mixture, an amalgam of stuff that, I have memories of and feelings for. And that was what was interesting about the script when Ken sent it to me and wrote it. I, I was, uh, you know, having been away, left Belfast when I was 20 odds, been away for 45 years. Mm -hmm. I was drawn immediately back to my roots, you know, deeply, a deep connection back to yeah. my roots, the way he'd structured the scenario, how he described the streets. And uh, although I have been back a lot, but there was something <laughs> about the time that he set it in. That brought me back to my own childhood, and that, and then back in your own childhood, then your memories change of how you how you used to perceive your parents, yourself, and your mm -hmm. grandparents, and kid, and Ken drew that out of me. I mean, so I guess I drew inspiration from his script, and then allowed the other uh, my forebears to to hang about me while I was at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're eight years older than uh, Brana, so you were probably a teenager uh, during this time period over there. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, when the date that comes up on, on the screen is the fifteenth of August, nineteen sixty-nine, which we certainly have in our memory, and uh, I would have been sixteen. Yeah. What do you remember most about that time? Uh, I remember I thought I was the bee's knees, like most teen teenagers did, you know, <laughs> a bit of a swagger and trying to get all cool and hip. But I mean, Belfast at that time was not a very progressive city anyway. It was mm -hmm. kind of uh, on its own. I hadn't even looked into Europe hardly even to the UK. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just remembered uh, 
as you're growing up, because you also you think you're immortal at that age, don't you? You think nothing can tarnish your head. You. You're on you're on your way. But the truth is, when this happened and broke out, um, it, it, it the whole atmosphere of the city changed, obviously. Yeah. And it, it became, and then you thought, well, this was just, and it, it had been coming the year before when there were civil rights marches and uh, there was attacked by B-specials and really uh, savagely attacked for just marching uh, peacefully with placards about demanding civil rights, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like one man, one vote, basic premises, you know, and we learned from the America, you know, from the civil rights in the early 60s in, in the United States. And uh, it so that was starting to create a mood uh, of resentment from the the hierarchy that was, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then of course when people exploit it in certain ways and certain tensions arise, what you see as in the film is like uh, in a street where there were uh, Catholics and Protestants living together, mm-hmm. mostly Protestants but lots of Catholics, all friends, neighbors. The extreme element comes in, disturbs their whole equilibrium, their whole balance with threats and, and violence, and that sets in, in uh, motion a chain of actions and reactions that then builds to to sometimes awful carnage. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I remember. Yeah, yeah, wow. The other thing, too, is that I, I love that one scene in particular where he's helping Buddy go over his maths. Uh, that's a <laughs> scene to me that resonates with me so much because I, too, struggled uh, as a young kid at his age with uh, math and my father and my mother, I remember, would get like these things like that they would put like on, I would put underneath like my plates at dinner time and it had like my math uh, multiplication tables and things oh, like okay. that on them. So I'm watching this scene and I'm seeing like how your character is explaining to Buddy how to pass the math. And I, I'm curious to know, was any of that improvised? Because there's just such a naturalism to how you uh, give him the tips and tricks of the trade, if you will. That was all scripted. Oh wow, that's phenomenal! All scripted. I mean, that's why. I mean, and the idea is what you to learn that is so obviously carefully written. You go like, well, how, how do you how do you make that real? I mean, because it's you know sentences and go like that. How do you mm-hmm. do it? Uh, and the idea is to almost in a way just be it. But when you've got that wonderful Jude Hill just in front of you and the, and the gorgeous face on him and his little worry frowns uh, about the mass and trying to get beside the girl, you just try to help out. Yeah. But also, I think it's the idea of the grandfather still trying to give him a little, uh, wind him up a little, that joy of helping and winding him up, helping and winding him up, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of a loving thing from a male perspective that certainly drives females uh, bananas sometimes. Uh, and uh, I, I actually said, because I remember he said, well, if you make your one a bit like a seven, mm-hmm. you know, and I got that. And they said, or if you're really clever, you could do the two like a six. And that took me ages to work out. And then I went, I started practicing and went, oh, I see what he means. Yeah. <laughs> An extra little curl. So it was nice to play it. So in the, in the same time, I was learning to play with it as well as play with Jude. Mm-hmm. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.
This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned about, like, it all being scripted because I'm watching these scenes unfold and I'm saying to myself, they're so warm. It's so witty. It feels so natural. Uh, the emotions that your characters were all conveying with each other, this rich history, especially between you and Judy Dench, uh, that scene particularly where uh, you start dancing with her. If it, like, and if it catches her by surprise that there here are these two who have been with each other for many, many, many years, and there's still the spontaneity and the spark in the relationship that he can uh, bring out in her. I guess that's a credit to Kenneth Branagh's writing that that's all there in the script. It is, it is, yeah. I mean, Ken has been asked did, did, about this, about the script and and what was it like? And of course, uh, the initial script is not what actually ends up in the film. There are some mm -hmm. cuts, there are some juxtapositions. There was actually more musical numbers because sometimes it became heightened oh. a bit to come out of the reality of the story. Mm -hmm. He was like a, of the music of the time, not just Van Morrison. Uh, but then he he thought that was when he when they saw it in editing, thought that was extraneous and taking away from the heart of the story. Yeah. You know, uh, because when I read, I said, "Wow, that's bold and that's brave." And how are you going to do that? But then I think you know, it's like when you when you're making something or anything, and then you start to shape and assemble it and put it together, and go like, "What's not fitting?" And uh, I think it's very interesting. So that when I finally saw, saw the final cut, I didn't see anything before that. Um, I was just done by where? What happened to all that other stuff? Mm -hmm. You know that that was shot. But uh, we might have added a little line or two. You know, we'd say, Ken, sure. little thing that my grandfather used to say, he would throw in there, is that okay with you? He said, away you go. Uh, see, in, not guaranteeing, of course, that it's going to be in it, because you can just cut it out. But, right. Uh, and some of it is in it. But from just an infinitesimal amount of extraneous stuff that Ken didn't uh, write. Mm -hmm. You're very busy. Uh, you're always working, I feel like, or at least I feel like I see you in a new feature every year. Was this the first project you did during the pandemic yeah we were actually i was actually on uh, on stage uh in in london uh, mm -hmm. in the of uncle vanya and uh we, we stopped halfway through wow. closed down side note have you seen uh have you seen drive my car yet because there's an uncle vanya there uh, is there's yeah, a huge reference yeah. to vanya i have yes i enjoyed it okay much. okay just wanted to know for sure anyway yeah. continue sorry <laughs> um and then uh, everything went quiet and everybody went away and uh, mm -hmm. we all locked down batting down the hatches and uh, then things that were different in france and uh, my wife elaine was going to work was it went into rehearsal with something there in june june in Lyon, and i went to join her yeah uh, because there was nothing happening and it was while i was in Lyon being uh 
being kind of the domestic uh, char, cooking and hoovering and doing all the stuff while she was going to work, which was really lovely. No, yeah. you know, no, it's really cool. Uh, this is when I got the call uh, that Ken wanted to talk to me about something. I was thinking, here I am in Lyon. It's all cool. And Ken Brenner wants to talk to me. Happy days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's always nice to get work, but it's nice when you get yeah. a project such as this filled with people who really, really care about it. Did you know, like, in the early stages of talking with Ken, uh, that this was going to be something special? We live in hope. Mm-hmm. And so uh, not the way I don't think, I think Ken has been kind of, sometimes you discover you've created something that you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's hidden or it reveals itself as you go along. And uh, of course, he wanted to share his story, but it, you know, not be a vanity project, but to actually share the story that was, uh, he believes, is, is filmmaking. You know, children's childhood and what happens to them in family life. Uh, and he gave his version of it, and hoped that people would enjoy it. But yeah, uh, when it was shown in festivals, how much it it reached deep into many people mm-hmm. that they could identify with it. I think there were. He was deeply, deeply moved by that experience. And I was deeply moved uh, when I recognized it, when I watched it with 2,000 people, how everybody connected with it. Yeah, It's it's interesting how these things like kind of take on a life of their own sometimes, because had it not been released in the midst of, you know, the pandemic, I still think it would have resonated. But for some reason, this uh, connection of uh, to family, to home, it just really hit me emotionally in a way that I was not expecting. And it was the film that I needed at that time when it was released and still feel like I need it right now. So I, I definitely agree with you in that regard. I mean, this Oscar time, there's, um, you know, there's King Richard. I mean, that amazing family. Mm-hmm. Going on. And then you've got Coda and that extraordinary yeah. going on. All different shapes of it. But at the heart of it, there's this family struggling and we're going to go through things. We're going to go through them. And um, and, all, and with all different different uh, I don't different ambitions, mm-hmm. uh, different ideas from different cultures, and yet uh, I got I got connected to those other two films as well. Very, very yeah, all three very different, like you said. But it seems like those are the types of stories that we're all gravitating towards as we take uh, appreciation for the things that we care about, uh, considering how much it feels like we let them slip away or we lost them over the last two years. So I, I definitely hear you on that. You've worked with so many uh, directors over the years, uh, from Scorsese to Spielberg, Kenneth Branagh. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't have to be necessarily the biggest role. Uh, you're, you're you're known as being one of the great character actors that, like I said before, we're just so happy to see you getting this recognition at this point in your career. Where do you feel like your career is going from here? Does it feel like it's hit a peak because of the Oscar nomination? Do you not even think of it in those terms? And if you could tell us what you have coming up next, that would be awesome. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I've never been one for uh, looking ahead or planning anything or mm-hmm. uh, this is what I want to do. Not even for I want to play that role. I want to, I just, uh, I think I come from an, the ancient art of Irish storytelling or something. And, and it's about to be involved with people telling stories, not just about you, but about, you know, a tribe of people, a family of people, and what we all connect together, and that's what uh, I—that's I, I, why I enjoy theatre so much as well. That you do have time to bond into a com- kind of unit, 
Um, yeah, and, and and working with all these extraordinary uh, people. That um, what was glorious for me was I have not seen Paul Thomas Anderson or Steven Spielberg since I rapped with them fifteen years yeah. ago, whatever. And yesterday, just the thing, they were sitting in two tables, and I got to say hello and thank them and uh, embrace them, and it was really lovely. I mean, deeply because time time flies, doesn't it? it goes past, and uh, and they were gracious enough to offer me work. And, and very, very exciting projects and which I loved. Um, so as for the future, um Key and Sabe compadre, I don't know. I mean, um I, I will do I hope to be doing one thing with uh my old friend Liam uh Leeson from we have we we started off uh together, we uh were friends, you know, in our late teens and been very close since and uh, we worked once together in a film called Excalibur. Mm-hmm. And it was our our very first uh, f- film and then I went back to the theater and Liam uh, went uh, into the movies and uh, some 40 years later uh, we're going to see if we can actually cope with doing scenes with each other without laughing in each other's face <laughs> hey, it, came, it, it came close in silence you were in the same project together yeah, but... we did, that's true but we never yeah. we never met we weren't even on the island of Taiwan at the same time right? but hey I really hope to see that too two Irish legends coming together <laughs> uh, on the screen that would be very very nice well Kieran thank you so so much really really appreciate you taking the time today and congratulations once again thanks very much for those kind words man thank you absolutely you have a nice day thanks bye now bye Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Best Supporting Actor Oscar nominee Kieran Hines here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Belfast is currently nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Kieran Hines. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.